Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. And we will be reading in a minute uh, verses 1 through 12. This is about Eutychus who fell from the third story and restored to life. This was at Troas, and uh, we find, I entitled this, Being Encouraged, but also Being an Encourager. And so we see how Paul was such an encourager, and we need to be encouragers as well. In verses 1 through 6, are really the itinerary of Paul and where he went and who he went with and, and, and that sort of thing, which if you want to go and look at the, the maps in the back and see where he went, da, 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 that's great. But I want to deal with verses 7 through 12, which is the story of, of Eutychus, and that's the main focus this morning. And so let's read together uh, verses 1 through 12 of Acts chapter 20. Hear God's word. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself. Notice, embrace them. This is the word comfort. Comforted them and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and again comforted them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia. Also, uh, Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and Tychicus and uh, Trophimus of Asia. These men, going ahead, waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. And again, we see this word comforted. And I, I, I chuckled because, did you notice until daybreak? Uh, don't worry. <laughs> oh, but I always, I always read that and I'm going, gee, people get antsy after about 12.05, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but wow, uh, must have been some kind of a meeting. 
And I guess if we'd have been there and seen Eutychus raised from the dead, we'd have probably wanted to stay there all night too. And, uh, and yet the emphasis really isn't on Eutychus. It's on the mercy of Christ, the love of Christ, the compassion of Paul. And uh, so we want to just look at that. But uh, we do find that he fell from the third story, probably about 30 feet off the ground, and was taken up dead. And uh, it says that uh, Paul went and stretched out on him. This was like Elisha of old. I don't know, in, in, in 2 Kings, <clears throat> maybe. Do we have the verses up? Okay. Ah. <laughs> All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, 34 through 35. Now this is about uh, uh, the Shunammite woman. And God had blessed her with a child, and the child dies. And uh, Elisha had sent his, his servant Gehazi ahead, who laid the staff of Elisha on him, and the child was not revived. So Elisha comes, and we, and we see what happens. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And uh, this is a marvelous, uh, I have actually a sermon on, on this and uh, it's, ta- it's uh, called Raising the Dead. And so, uh, of course, spiritualized, uh, we've been raised from the dead, haven't we, spiritually? And so that's the, the parallel there. But we see, without preaching that sermon, Elisha putting him whole, his whole self into it. That's what we see here. He put him, his whole self into the life of this child, as Paul did with this young man. And so we need to be putting our whole lives into ministry, whatever that may look like. And uh, that's, that's a sermon in itself. And, uh, but uh, Paul says, you know, don't, don't trouble yourselves. Uh, stop wailing. These people were wailing in those days. And uh, uh, people really expressed themselves. You know, most funerals you go, there'll be a little crying maybe. But these people were wailing, bawling. And he says, stop, stop wailing. Um, and stop weeping, stop grieving. And uh, it's interesting that uh, we find raising of the dead was uh, one of the gifts of the apostles. In Matthew 10, 8, it says, heal the sick. This is as, as Jesus sent the 12 out there to heal the sick, raise the dead, and, and so forth. And uh, so this is a gift that, that Paul had. And uh, if one of you dropped dead... In, or if I drop dead, I probably will not be raised from the dead. But doesn't mean that you can't pray that, but uh, this was a gift, I believe, the, of the apostles. Now, the apostles did lay hands on people who did receive gifts, but those people, in turn, could not lay hands on somebody. So it ceased, uh, because we do find it in the early church, some of these things going on. But anyway, that's... a. Uh, uh, another sermon for another time. 
But anyway, we saw several things about verses 1 through 6 that I do want to mention. Did you notice in verse 6, he says, we, and we do find now that Luke is with him again after four years of separation. Uh, the last time we saw Luke was in, in uh, Philippi in chapter 16. And so using this pronoun we, Luke has now joined with him instead of it being they. Um, and probably there four years in Philippi was probably the pastor there. We don't really know. But we find that Luke was a very humble man. It wasn't about Luke. He doesn't mention his name. It's nothing, it's nothing about uh, magnifying him and giving himself attention. But what was Luke's intention in verses 1 through 12. It's interesting, there's a certain Greek word that he uses three times, twice in verses 1 and 2, and that's the word comfort. Also, it's used in verse 12. It ends with comfort. And you know what? This is a Greek word that uh, means a lot. The word is parakaleo, which is the, uh, the verb form, uh, parakaleo, and that's where we get the word for the Holy Spirit, parakaletos, which is the comforter, the Holy Spirit who is the paraclete. He is the comforter. And so that's what's really going on here. It literally means to call someone to one side is what that means. Come alongside us. And that's what we're to do, brothers and sisters, with each other. We're to come alongside, put your arm around. And this is a hugging church. You know, you, you, know, you can say, I don't like to be hugged. That's fine. But we're huggers because what we're saying by doing that, we should be saying by doing that, is we're coming alongside and we're with you. We love you. We care about you. And so this is, this is what... Uh, what uh, Luke is stressing here. Now, the story itself ex is explained, I think, briefly, but there's some points here. Uh, noticed it was, uh, first of all, we see the dedicated congregation. That's the first point. Uh, meeting on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. And, uh, you, and, Paul, and Luke uses the phrase, breaking of bread. Did you notice that? But in the Greek, it's actually breaking of the bread. The definite article is there. And so this is obviously the Lord's Supper here. They were breaking the bread. And so uh, this is a new covenant church meeting on the Lord's Day, worshiping through the hearing of God's word, partaking of the Lord's Supper, probably praying and singing, giving testimony. And so, wow, what a change, isn't that, from the old uh Testament church uh, that met on, on, uh, on the seventh day of the week. A real switch from the seventh to the first day of the week. Celebrating what? The new creation. The resurrection. The old covenant was creation. On the seventh day God rested from his creation. But now where do we find? Now. Resurrection. Christ is being uh, and so, therefore, because of what Christ has done for us, we meet together to do what? Rejoice, give thanks, praise Him. Because just as He was raised, we have been raised and will be raised to glorification. 
Uh, so because of that, we are what? Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him, that is Christ, who loved us, who died for us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, the present nor the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. That's why we come together, to do that together, to rejoice and, and knowing that we're more than conquerors through him. Uh, we also see central to their worship service because they were a dedicated congregation, the proclaiming of God's word. Notice, even after Eutychus was raised, Paul went back to doing what? Preaching. You ask him, he said, okay, we've seen enough for today. It's over. Everybody go home. I think, you know, whew, that would have been a high point. No, the high point was the preaching of the word. And uh, because Eutychus was raised bodily, but guess what was going to happen to Eutychus eventually? He was going to die again. And so Paul was interested, though, in preaching the gospel where people are born again to live forever. And so this was central, uh, the preaching of God's word. And notice it went on all night. Uh, this is not a proof text for long services, although some preachers would like to say that. But, uh, so, but I don't want anybody complaining if we go five after 12, okay? <laughs> Till the morning, yeah, I'll even complain. So. <laughs> You can start throwing hymnals after about 15 after, but anyway. Uh, but anyway, they, what, did the, what was this showing about this congregation, though? What? Uh, they were showing a real appetite for God's Word. They were hungry. They were hungering and thirst after, thirsting after righteousness. They couldn't get enough. And uh, I'll, I'll deal with that a little more later, but... Uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Does the word of God refresh you? Absolutely. It refreshes me. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Do they give you joy? It does me. I just love to, wow, I am a saved, born again, believer by the grace of God. That'll bring joy in your life, will it not? If it doesn't, something's wrong. You better check up. I mean, don't just be going through the motion. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring for the decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. Is the word of God more precious to you than gold? Whoa, that's, now that's a statement. Uh-huh, okay. Something to think about, something to think about. Then much pure gold. And what about this one? And sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Is that the word of God to you? Do you hunger and thirst after? Is it sweet? Do you love it? Do you meditate on it? You had it in your heart that you might not sin against God? These are questions that we all need to ask ourselves. And uh, you know what? They had not come to this service 
to see a, bodily a body raised from the dead. That was a bonus, okay? But that's not why they came. They came to hear the word of God through Paul. Let us not remember, forget that. And, uh, and so this is a spiritual thing that's so important. Being born again, uh, we who were dead in our trespasses and sins have now been born again. And wow, makes all the difference. Uh, it sure, the only time probably that they would ever hear Paul was now. They were making the most of it. And uh, have you ever been, have you ever heard somebody that you just, when they quit speaking, you went, oh no, don't stop. Keep going. I, I, I've met Bible teachers like that in college and he would, he would be preaching, he, he, was, he was talking about in the book of Daniel and what was doing, and then he said, well, it was a Bible conference, so he was going to speak the next morning. He said, well, we'll put that off till tomorrow. And all the whole congregation, everybody that was there went, oh, like, please keep going. And you went, wow, wow. Yeah, he, uh, he had something to say. And so... So anyway, that's the dedication we found from the congregation. Now we see the awful calamity in verse 8. Notice there were many lamps. Probably that had something to do with the oxygen level uh, in, on this third floor. It was probably very crowded. Something interesting here, Eutychus, you know what Eutychus means? Lucky. <laughs> I promise. Don't tell me God does not have a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> lucky or fortune uh, is, is the meaning of his name and what would the heathen say if lucky had fallen out of the window and was only killed they'd say you know that's what happens when you go to church you know? <laughs> and yet that is true you know we do we need to go to church to, to die to self so there's a lot of spiritual going on here but but uh, uh, Falling from the third story would have probably hurt a great deal, I would think. And uh, he was overcome by sleep. Not purposely falling asleep, though. Okay? I think we need to see that. Uh, this was a, a tragic accident. And, uh, and I'm sure Paul, and I know many of the people thought, Why this, Lord? What is going on, Lord? What are you thinking? Lord, you're faithful. What in the world has this person died for? What are you trying to say, Lord? That could have been probably what a lot of them thought. And we say those things, do we not, with what's going on in the world right now. The attacks of the church and, and, and things that are going on. You know, uh, you may not realize this, but Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, uh, was having a meeting, and of course there were thousands there, and and uh, he was waxing eloquently, and these two young boys were there, and all of a sudden they started screaming, fire, fire, the building's on fire. And there was a mass stampede to the exit, and people were killed. And you're going, Lord, what are you, what's, what's going on here? Why, Lord? And you know what? Spurgeon uh, suffered from, from that for the rest of his life and uh, went into deep depression over this and even had to go to south of France uh, and, and just to uh, be alone and what have you. And so uh, 
we need to, to uh, realize that uh, uh, we're not to dwell on the negative thoughts about God. What does Philippians 4.8 say? Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that's what we need to do. Uh, and Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he said, Brethren, I count not my, myself to have apprehended, but this is one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we need to do. We don't need to question God. God's in control of this. He's got it. Even though we don't see it, uh, he, he uh, is uh, the one in control. And, and we know as his children, Romans eight twenty eight, all things are working together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so we see this Eutychus. God was in control of what was going on. And then the third, very quickly, the comfort from God, we'll see more of that in a minute, but... Uh, I'm sure Paul, when he stretched out on this child, was praying, Lord, have mercy on this child. Lord, raise this child up. I mean, I can almost uh, hear his prayers as, as he saw this dead young man that had fallen 30 feet from the upper story. And so I want to just spend three observations of the time that's left. And we, uh, uh, the first point is we all need encouragement, and I like the word comfort. And some of us give, need to give encouragement or comfort. We all need it, but are we all giving it? Paul was being used by God here uh, to comfort and encourage those Christians there. And uh, uh, we see what they were going through. What was that? Same things we go through that all Christians go through, trials, tribulations, diseases, social issues, financial burdens, you name it, they had it, and so do we. And so they needed encouragement and, and strengthening in their faith, and so do we. We need to come alongside and uh, be an encouragement, uh, being a comfort to those in need. Did, uh, did Paul need encouragement? Yes, he did. Why? It tells us here. There was a plot to kill him. Can you imagine being an encourager, knowing that there's a plot to kill you? Now that's from God, uh, uh, empowered by God uh, going through that. Uh, so here he is, though, giving encouragement to those that needed it. And uh, parakaleo uh, is, an, again, a very interesting word. We find in, uh, that was another verse I didn't use, ah, Hebrews 3, 12 through 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage, or really, again, parakaleo, comfort one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. And I like, I like also the word exhorting has been used here, and maybe it is in your translation. 
But it's not you're exhorting somebody, you know, to get with the program. No, you're coming along. You're not condemning them. You're, not ju- you're coming alongside of them and say, let me help you. Uh, I've been encouraged. I want you to be encouraged through uh, somebody may need just a hug. You know, sometimes Janine will just come up and hug me. That's worth 10 million tons of whatever, gold, just to have that encouragement and, uh, and comfort and encouragement. We need that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Paul was not having a pity party here. No pity party on, the, on, on Paul. But you know what? You, we have our pity parties, do we not? Oh, boy, did I have pity parties. I still do, but... <laughs> You know, woe is me. I'm going to go out and eat worms. Uh, nobody, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty drastic. Anyway, notice in this, this passage, 2 Corinthians 1, I want you to notice parakaleo is used 10 times in these verses 3 through 7. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of what? All comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can do what with it? Those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we our distress, it is for your comfort in salvation. Parakaleo. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. You know, you go, okay, I get it, Paul. <laughs> you know, we need comfort. It's for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in what? Our comfort. Well, think it's important? I think, I think Paul made a statement myself. Uh, so the Holy Spirit comforts us so that we can comfort others. Did you know that there's comfort in comforting? I've got more comfort in comforting than I have in being comforted. I know that sounds weird, but you know, way, you know the way to be happy? is to make someone happy. Is more blessed to give than receive. See, the Christian faith is the opposite of the world. To the world, it's getting. To the Christian, it's giving. And it, when you give, it makes you happy. It gives you comfort. It, it, uh, it's a joy. And so, it comforts us. Wow. And then secondly, we all need the word preached. Noticed. We all need the word preached, but some crave it. Some crave it preached. These people had an appetite for the word of God. And are we craving the word of God? Are we just coasting? Are you coasting or are you craving? 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, 
what? Here's that word. Crave pure spiritual milk so that it, by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's the key. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Taste and see. He is good. He is good. And we need to crave the sincere milk of the word. It's really interesting to watch a newborn infant. I remember we have three girls and, and how they long for the pure milk of the, of the mother. And buddy, you take it away and what do they do? And if you don't know, they scream and want it and give it to me. You're holding back. You know, in some way we should remain infants in that way. We should desire the sincere milk of the word. I remember growing up there was a cereal. You'll have to excuse me, but and it had a little jingle. And uh, and the jingle was, I can't get enough of them sugar crisps. Sugar crisps, they keep me going strong. I'm sorry I had to say it. But you know, that's the way the word of God ought to be us. I can't get enough of them sugar crisps. Sugar crisps, they keep me going strong. And the word of God is that way. We should crave it. We should crave it. And uh, if not, why not? What hinders people from a, a, a attending church? What hinders people from reading God's word? It's a lack of appetite. It's a lack of appetite. Do you crave it? Do you crave it like a baby craves the mother's milk? And then lastly, we all need sleep, but some sleep in church. Utica slept in church. Did you know that? Who is bad consequences? <laughs> don't sleep in church. <laughs> I don't think you're going to fall down and die, but uh, I hope not anyway. You know what? Some though there, there are good reasons. You, you may have had to work a long stretch and you're just doing good to, to be here. And I understand that because I have looked at as a preacher and that guy's sleeping over there. What is no <laughs> Wake up! <laughs> and, uh, and yes, I have been sleeping in church too. And, uh, but it, it doesn't uh, excuse it. And uh, it's not a good thing. But uh, this, this Uticus probably was... Uh, uh, needing sleep, lack of, lack of oxygen, and so forth. But sometimes, you know, we may be sleeping because we don't want to be there. We might be protesting. It's kind of like, when is this guy going to ever shut up so I can go home and watch TV? Boy, I hope that's not your attitude. I've seen people in church, kids, teenagers, texting on their, and the person is sitting right behind them, their friend, and they'll just be back and forth texting. 
why the word is being proclaimed. But you know what? They're suffering. They're not hungering and thirsting after God. And there are consequences of not doing that. I don't think you're going to fall over dead, but you're going to be hurt spiritually in your own life. If you don't listen to God in church, when do you listen to God? Ooh, boy, that will get you. You better be listening to God sometime if you don't come to church to listen to Him. Well, if the preacher was just a little better, I'd listen. Oh, that's going to fly. Oh, preacher, it's your fault. If you just made it exciting and, and interesting, I would grow. No. You need the Holy Spirit. Maybe it, we find the problem is found in Revelation 2 4. Let's see, this was the church, was it not at Ephesus? Yes. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Maybe that's what's happened to you. Maybe you're not focusing on Christ. Maybe there's a wall of petition of unconfessed sin that you need to confess. Oh yeah, you have a profession, but do you have a possession? You know what? If you're dead, you need to wake up. And that's both for Christian and the non-Christian. You need to wake up. You, you need to repent. Revelation 3, 1 through 3. To the angel of the church at Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, he says. Wake up. Strengthen what remains is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and what? Repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Paul in Romans 13, 11 through 14, and this is the last verse. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves. Here it is. This is what you need to do. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Wake up preaching the gospel. Wake up repenting. Go to bed repenting. Being sorrow for that you, uh, and ask for forgiveness. Being refreshed, renewed through the word of God. Trust him. Fix your eyes upon him. And you know what? As old Dr. Bob used to say, he said, give God your heart and he'll comb the tangles out of your hair. And I like that. 
Give him your heart and he'll comb the tangles out of your hair. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, how it refreshes us and energizes us, but also convicts us. Lord, we need to wake up. This country needs to wake up. Your children need to wake up before it's too late. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Come with power in our own heart, my heart, oh Lord. Help me to repent and to be refreshed. Be comforted also by your word. In Jesus' name, amen.